The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome to the November 19th early morning edition of the PFF forecast. We're going to do a quick, I promise, very quick recap of some of the big things that happened in week 11. Then we're going to move on to week number 12. Let's rock. Sorry for your loss. Um, it was a tough one for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins looks grossly overpaid. Um, offensive game plan, or uh, lack thereof, was very unimpressive. Um, are you hanging it? It just feels bad because all offseason I said, you know, I think the Cousins edition's overrated. I like their underwind total. You know, and then literally we've never backed them against the spread in a game all season. And so then the one time that we do, this happens, which is like, you know, their worst performance of the season, probably aside from Buffalo. And then, of course, like still almost pushing the game. It was just a it was just an absolute train wreck. So uh, I'd rather uh, forget about it as fast as possible. I'm going to make you talk about it for just a little bit more because the big takeaway that I had from this game was that it seemed like they were woefully unprepared for the strength of the Bears, which is a bit concerning. Like they just had no, they had no game plan for the Bears' pass rush. You would ex- expect, at least I've seen the Patriots do this a thousand times, for them to come up and go really fast to try and keep those guys off balance. Instead, they did not, and then. You know, the rest of it basically came down to the fact that there were big plays to be had and the Vikings fouled up two of them that were sure touchdowns. The Diggs throw and then uh, Xavier Rhodes not taking advantage of Mitch Trubisky being god awful. I mean, is that 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 is also a thing, right? So during the first quarter of the game, I you know, because this week, not only did we have the Vikings as one of our picks, our lock of the week or whatever, but we also like stuck our neck out and said, hey, guys. Mitch Trubisky is a product of the scheme. He's not playing well by himself. This is more of a collective thing. And after, uh, you know, his first few throws or first few runs, I was like, oh, maybe we'll have to eat some crow here, you know. And then as the game went on, of course, he threw two balls to Anthony Harris. Uh, He, uh, I think, like, I don't know. I don't know why the Bears were throwing at the end of the game, to be honest with you. But then, like, when they were trying to salt the clock, he basically threw a pick six to Xavier Rhodes, who dropped it. And ultimately, he did not complete a pass tonight under pressure. Um, he had like an under 75 passer rating when clean. He averaged less than five and a half yards per pass attempt. So in that sense, we were right. But it ultimately didn't matter because of, I think, what you're saying, which is that Matt Nagy's a far better offensive play caller, it appears, than John D. Filippo. 
And while Mike Zimmer has, has been historically a good defensive coach, Vic Fangio uh, appears to have bested him tonight. Vic Fangio, I think, has a few more cards in the deck defensively. And it, it was interesting because Trubisky was bad. And if you want to argue that point, then you're going to lose because he was not great. Um, his his best asset was running the ball. And even there, it wasn't game changing. He was fine, but it wasn't game-changing. But it really came down to the fact that Kirk Cousins was just – he was incapable, right? His offensive line played far, far worse, and so he was under pressure far more, and he was bad under pressure. And, uh, yeah, that's the the story of the game. So uh, the one other – there are a couple of interesting things from this week, and I think we'll hit them in our answering of the questions that we had um, going into into this week. So, is there any chance in hell that we're going to see a seven and three decision between two top uh, top teams, a la 1990, when we had the Niners and the Giants? I guess we'll still have to answer this question tomorrow, theoretically, because that was between two ten and one or nine and one teams, right? Yeah. Although this week we did see like all but three of the games were within four points and you got the Vikings all but two uh, within five and none of the games were in the teens. Right. So even among, you know, this week, I think somebody on Twitter was like, Hey, defenses are having their say this week. And even in that event, even in a lot of these games going under the total, you know, I think it was like four teams this week, one with scores of 23, another one, one with a score of 22. So even in defensive battles, quote-unquote, in the NFL in 2018, we're still seeing teams score in the 20s. I just think it's a product of what what's, this league has become. Defensive matchups were Bears-Vikings, uh, and that ended up 25-20. All right, uh, next question. Who is the best team in the NFL? I, I think it's the Saints. Um, I know this isn't probably – and we talked about this on the last podcast on Thursday, but, you know, we, I think I said, or you said, if the Saints roll the Eagles um, and this game on Monday night's close, then I think you have to make a case for the Saints. Saints are the top team, I believe, in our ELO system. And while I don't think the Eagles are any good, I do think that the Saints, uh, you know, are just showing, you know, themselves as being the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, you said the Saints. I said the Rams. I'm going to stick with it. I think the Eagles are... You know, they obviously had no cornerbacks, so they were at a huge disadvantage in New Orleans. So I think if the if the Rams win, you know, in a relatively non-fluky way tomorrow, I still think it's the Rams. Uh, Titans, Bengals, Ravens, Colts, Dolphins. These are teams that were five and four, four and five heading into this week. They are now all five and five. That's a good question so, by us then, right? Yeah, it was very well done. So who's the best of this group? I actually don't think it's close. I think it's the I think it's the uh, Colts, the team that we actually said sort of when we were talking on the podcast about like who is the most likely team uh, to make a move. We said the numbers didn't necessarily like the Colts that much, but we both agreed that I, that the Colts were the team that we wanted to back the most, and and we're looking good there. I think Frank Reich is the winner of this week. The Eagles' offense has been not as good, and the Colts, despite having a really not talented roster. I mean, they have a couple of really good players, right? But overall, you would not be super envious of the talent they have on that roster. 
have have I think it's fair to say uh, performed above expectation thus far. So I don't think it's close. The Bengals not good. The Ravens the Ravens are interesting because now they're <laughs> they're running the ball 80 percent of the time with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> they were the unashamedly time. running the football against the Bengals, and the Bengals are bad defensively. So it'd be interesting to see if we if Lamar plays another game. If if they have that the amount of success that they had, they still only scored twenty four points doing that. Um, so we'll see. I would bet that part of that was that they just didn't have a lot, they didn't have enough time to implement stuff. I wouldn't be surprised with a week, you know, another week they're able to, you know, kind of get them more on track. Okay, those were our questions. Let's get into week twelve. We'll start with Thanksgiving, and you did something very cool, which is you found. The line from the preseason for these games. I think it's very interesting for the Thanksgiving games in particular because those are all games that everyone looks forward to uh, in a opportunity to tune out everyone's annoying family members. You've got these games. So let's talk about them. Chicago at Detroit in the preseason. Detroit minus five. Current line, Detroit plus three. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's an, an interesting, uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic here with a point spread moving of eight. I think it's almost entirely due to the coach. Yeah. Yes, sure. I think it's also, uh, look, the Chicago defense has by far been the best in the NFL. Um, and I don't think people had quite, I think we were, we knew they were a good defense last year, but the turnovers weren't there as and much the, as they were this year. And the sacks too, right? So we had the we we got a lot of flack when when Sam Monson posted them as like a top five defense uh, in one of his articles. But what we were seeing was really good coverage, but not no one finishing on sacks. And now we're seeing some finishing on sacks, so we are seeing their defense sort of prop up. Um, but you know, I, Khalil Mack adds to this, I think a little bit, but I do think it's the disparity in coaches that I don't think we fully appreciate it as the market uh, early on. Right. Yep. So at three in Detroit home dog, we saw what Detroit did as a home dog today against Carolina. Um, Carolina, of course, losing because of math, which was very sad to see such a malicious use of numbers by the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's so funny. It's so funny when people assume that getting into overtime means that you win. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. That happened in the Falcons game too. So, yeah, happened in the Colts, Colts like, Texans well, game. They're just two scores away. Two scores away from a coin flip. Can't wait. Please. Um, I I think Detroit is the right the right side here, and that's based on two things. The first is that I think Mitch Trubisky is still far worse than what the market will think he is. And the second is that it's a short week in the morning on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think, you know, the only issue is, is how much do you really want to stomach the the lions, right? (laughs) Because I do think they're probably better at home than when we've backed them, which has been on the road. Um, But at the same time, like did I don't know, Stafford got sacked ten times by the Vikings. He had a he had an equally difficult time of it last time against Chicago. 
I'm probably just going to stay. I don't know if we'll, would we pick this game as a PFF pick if it stayed at plus three? And probably no, right? Washington Dallas in Big D. Colt McCoy makes a triumphant return. To Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. Dallas was a six-point favorite in the preseason. They are now an eight-point favorite. This obviously has a lot to do with Colt McCoy. If Alex Smith were playing in this game, my guess is that this would be a four-and-a-half-point spread for Dallas. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe five. But, um, you know, Washington came out and played a game this week that I think you know, they won against Tampa, but everybody sort of faded them this week. A lot of people, you know, that number moved all the way out to Houston plus three or minus three, I'm sorry. And I think that that was because people were trying to be contrarian and fade Washington after a, a fluky week. And honestly, like I, I said to you today, I think the most improbable thing that happened today was Washington throwing an interception touchdown in the red zone, having like a 14-point swing there and still covering. Uh, so uh, I, I think, um, I don't know. I think Washington's better than what people will give it credit for. And I'm just not sure what to expect with Colt McCoy here. No kidding. Uh, okay. The, the nightcap where I will be, which is New Orleans, uh, the land of the rising sun. Is that correct? Uh, did I just make that I, up? You should have I a beignet. It I think it is. I will have many beignets and that's all I'm going to eat. It's uh breakfast, lunch, and dinner, obviously. You know me. Yeah, I mean that's you 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 like the the carb stuff, you like the sugared stuff, and that's what I'm all about. Had a overrated piece of carrot cake last night. I'm not pleased about it, so I've got to make up for that in New Orleans. The line in the preseason was three and a half. Saints paid by three and a half at home. It is now thirteen. A ten point swing which seems unwarranted given the talent that the Falcons have. Deion Jones is likely to be back in this game. Okay. I have a feeling you're going to want to stay away from this one in the end, but I'm going to make you pick based on the fact that you don't like either of the other two games. You've got to bet on this game. Who are you going with? Uh, (laughs) The pain. I can feel it. I hate the Falcons so much right now. Okay. Uh, I don't hate any team. Um, I will. I would take New Orleans and lay the thirteen right now. Interesting. Uh, that game was brutal to watch. Atlanta had a fourth and two, down ten points. Uh, fourth and two at I want to say the ten. They kicked a field goal, playing for the tie, which essentially means playing to lose. Uh, and they got a stop, and then scored a touchdown. But they scored too early, and so of course ended up losing the game because their defense is garbage. So uh, brutal. You expect, you know, an offensive team that is that good with a defense that's that bad to take a few more chances. I've said this for like two straight weeks, but I have to believe that now is really the time where they just throw all caution to the wind. I mean, come on. They they should go for literally every fourth down inside of 10 yards (laughs) in this game. But it's like Uh, not – it's not – I think that, like, you know, the the red zone stuff with Sarkeesian, the going for it more often, all of that was, like, kind of a bug and not a feature, right? That was, like, a response to a bunch of backlash. And then when they started to lose again, people kind of, like, ignored them. It just just doesn't feel like it's in Dan Quinn's, like, DNA to play that way. 
So if they get smoked in this game, four and seven, they hop. They're four and seven. They hobble out. Let's say they go six and ten. What do you do? You think they make a change? Well, six and ten was that Mike Smith's last year? Then they like 2014. I think so. That was a year where they faced in week 17. They played the what was it, 6-8-1 and one Carolina, and they were 6-9. and nine. They played at home to win the NFC South, and they lost by, like, 40. And, like, the 7-8-1 and one Carolina got in the playoffs. And I think that that's what got Mike Smith fired. So going 6-10 and 10 with that with a roster of that kind of talent, I know they have had injuries defensively, but you have to consider it. Um, I don't know. It just, it just is weird because, like, my thing is, is – I just don't think they have a chance in the playoffs right now. Um, they, you know, obviously mathematically do, but if they're if they're gonna, you know, not necessarily be as amped for this game, New Orleans is New Orleans just right now. I just I feel like they're gonna be super motivated to like put Atlanta away, and we saw what they did to Philly. Obviously, this is a lot of points, and the math is never gonna tell you to lay this many points with two teams that have this much talent. But I don't know, man. All right, well, you'll take the Saints, and I will take the Falcons. All right. And that's why I'm probably going to um, – well, I'm going to be unbiased because I'm going to be working. So there you go. That's my – I <laughs> cop out. God. <laughs> that's a blowout. It's brutal. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. Oakland at Baltimore. This uh, currently does not have a line because we don't theoretically know who the quarterback is. But – I think we're probably both guessing that it's Lamar Jackson. So let's let's pick the spread here. What do you think the spread should be um, if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback? Uh, I think that they make it minus six and a half, just like they did against the Bengals. Interesting. Um, I was going to go lower than that. I, I was going to go five, and now I think that might be too low. I, I guess Oakland is really bad. I've got to remind myself of that, but it just seems hard. I, I'm not sure people are going to want to give Lamar Jackson the respect he deserves, but I think you're probably right. I think it's probably closer to six and a half. They wanted, like, there were, there was significant amount of money that, like, pushed the, that spread today from minus four to minus six. It was, like, kind of a weird, because it, it made no sense to me why Baltimore was favored by more than four uh, against Cincinnati. It ended up falling three. I think Cincinnati is far better than Oakland. Oakland's defense is terrible. And then if you watched any of the Oakland-Arizona game, uh, Gruden and Carr on the sideline was something to behold. So, I don't know. I, I think Oakland got their one win for the next month. So, I think the Ravens. Did I miss Gruden and Carr? So, like, so so the Cardinals and the Cardinals got, like, basically threw two interceptions in the first half. And that gifted Oakland, like, you know, 14 points or whatever. And then in the second half, Oakland moved the ball a decent amount. But basically on third downs, Carr just was like an abomination. And from what it looked like, he was just, you know, checking into the wrong plays, throwing to the wrong check downs, all this kind of stuff. So every single time he'd come off to the sideline after a field goal attempt or a punt, Gruden would just get these big bug eyes when he's talking to him and – you know, Carr would just throw his hands out. It was literally every single possession, and they basically eked out a win against Arizona, which, I don't know, Arizona played poorly, so it makes sense. Um, but 
I, I just don't think against Baltimore, Oakland's going to be able to move the ball at all. Yes. I I agree with and you. And their there. defense I, and their defense is worse than the Bengals' defense, in my opinion. So, like, I think yes. Jack the stuff that Jackson can do on the ground, and he also was okay in the air at times. I do think it's I think it's probably a blowout, to be honest. Yep, I'm sorry with you. I think it should be six and a half. Jacksonville at Buffalo. Buffalo, <laughs> uh, three and a half point home underdog. Not too far off from where it was in the preseason at four and a half. These kind of funny some of these like have circuitously turned into a similar supposed to be uh in the preseason so buffalo getting three and a half I, is josh allen back for this game I, it seems to me like this line would reflect josh allen being back for this game but um matt barkley half, who's the better quarterback sure. matt barkley or bortles oh man god bortles is not good today uh I guess I'd have to go Bortles. Push came to shove. Barkley's bad, man. He had like eight percent turnover worthy play rate a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would. I, I my thing. I think Buffalo's defense. I think this game. I hope. I don't know what the over under is, but I I think it's probably an under game. Um, if both of those quarterbacks can sort of keep from the turnovers, I think it plays in the teens. Buffalo coming off a bye. I would. I mean, I think Buffalo plus three and a half is the right side here. Jacksonville is going to be yes. demoralized after a, a super effort against Pittsburgh, but losing. Um, I just think it's a great spot for Buffalo. Yes, I. This is the uh, my favorite one so far. Even I like it even more than I like Atlanta. Thank, thank God. Um, I, I think this one uh, ends up getting closer to Buffalo uh, two and a half by the time. Um, Sunday rolls around. Yep. Seattle at Carolina, a good game. Uh, Carolina favored by three and a half at home facing Russell Wilson. What do you think? Well, our math would seem to like Carolina here, um, but that was, again, before what transpired this week, which was them laying a complete egg against a team that prepared for them by practicing outdoors. So um, <laughs> I don't know how to – I don't really know you how to feel that toughness. <laughs> they were so Jacksonville won where it, where it counted, which is in the running game against Pittsburgh, even though they didn't win on the scoreboard. Um, Pitt That's right. Detroit won both where it counted, which was toughness, and as a great byproduct, won on the scoreboard against Carolina. So uh, I don't know, man. I think Seattle's defense is actually good, and they've been pretty opportunistic this year. Um, I think Cam's a kind of the kind of guy who can turn the ball over a fair amount. Uh, so, and I think Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, provided he's healthy, uh, can sort of shut down the, the Greg Olsons and the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. And so, I kind of like, I like kind of like our numbers would say Carolina, but I kind of like Seattle. Uh, I want to see how like Green Line ends up on this one. I have a feeling it'll end up being sort of a no pick, but um, my gut. Is, is with you on the Seattle thing. Um, but I do think I'm getting, I do think a big part of that is just what Carolina has done recently. And I'm trying to remember, you know, overall, I do think Carolina has been a strong team and this is a huge game, right? This, this game will likely have some wild card implications yeah. right, when the season. And so this, 
this is a big one. Carolina is um, an arm's length away from the Carolina is an arm's length away from the sixth seed right now. But if they lose, they are firmly in the scrum, right? Um, at, at six and four. But you look at Carolina. Carolina had, is a 63-yard field goal away from losing the Giants at home. They came back from 17 behind. Carolina could very much – they could very, as easily be four and six as they are six and four. So, I don't know. I think that this will be a big one for them to sort of show that they're actually a contender in the NFC. Yeah, meanwhile, Seattle has actually played two very close games with – what I think is the best team in the NFL, the Rams. And, you know, they got off to such an awful start to the season, right? That Monday night game against the Bears was <laughs> one of the most horrific things I've ever seen uh, out of a team. It was a lot like tonight's played. game with the Vikings, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was. So uh, this one will be interesting. Where So if Carolina starts three and a half, it seems like we both think this number moves – uh, towards Seattle, would you say this settles at three? Yeah, and then I think that juice will just fluctuate based on who is being bet on. Like, I don't... Juice fluctuating—that's always important. <laughs> All right, Cleveland at Cincy. God, this is a great game. Welcome to Cincy Vegas. Listen, uh, this is a big game for us because we need the Bengals to go over five and a half at some point in the next month. Cincinnati is a, a three-point favorite against Baker Mayfield. And the Browns, um, looks like the ELO rating would give the edge in that, uh, based on that spread, to the Bengals. But, man, it would take it would take divine intervention for me to, at any point, want to back the Cincinnati Bengals without A.J. Green. So if A.J. Green plays, I could see this. If A.J. Green does not play, it would be hard for me to do so. Yeah, I agree. I think they, I think Joe Mixon has done a really good job in the past game. Um, he was, you know, Tyler Boyd did okay today too. The, the Bengals were a missed field goal away from tying at the end against the, the Ravens. So they weren't a complete embarrassment without Green. Um, but Cleveland's coming off a bye. I don't know. They were pretty impressive against Atlanta. I don't know. I could see it either way. I think I could see Cleveland laying an egg. Um, just because they like got it out of their system to beat Atlanta, or I could see them be, a, you know, uh, snowballing from that kind of win and 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 being, you know, coming out of the bye uh, strong. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, New England in New York facing the Jets. Jets getting nine and a half. New England coming off a of bye. Um, the Jets coming off a of bye. Yeah, both. And the Jets suck. Yeah, this is gonna. This is a classic AFC East bury the game at one a, one p.m. on CBS, uh, and you know you kind of like only Steve Palazzolo watches this game. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, this, if it were like any quarterback, if it were just some sort of middle of the road quarterback, I would I would say that this is way too high. But Sam Donald is liable to throw, what, three pick sixes in this game? I mean, there's no so, – the Patriots coming off of a loss and coming off of a bye, there's no way that Sam Donald has any sort of success here. Yeah, you got to feel that way. I would assume that a lot of people take the Patriots despite how, uh, how bad they looked against the Titans, who, by the way, also suck. Philly at home against 
the red hot, the smoking hot New York Giants. Odell Beckham came out. He was passionate after Monday night. He told everyone that they doubted him, and he shut them up, and he shut them up again today, beating the, the vaunted Tampa Bay Bucks By three. As, as many terrible teams as there are out there, the Bucks might be the biggest dumpster fire. That, that is just... When you let Alec Ogletree score a touchdown covering people, I mean, my favorite thing is how bad both of those quarterbacks can be, where you're like, what 1987 called, they want your quarterback controversy back. Like, was it going to be Jameis this week? Is it going to be, you know? Really terrible. Philly preseason was almost a 10-point favorite in this game. Now the Red Hot Giants are just – Five point, they're just five point underdogs. Philly won by like forty when these teams played on Thursday night in New York. So, are you are you ready to hop back on the Philly bandwagon? No, I mean our numbers would say so. I'm, I'm I would venture to guess that we're gonna have this as a green line pick. I. I need a little bit. I need to give this game a little bit more tender love and care before I can really convince myself to back Philly here, but I think we'll end up doing so. Yeah, at five, uh, I would back Philly. I think this gets up to six. I, I have there's nothing about beating the Tampa Bay Bucks by three that makes me excited about the Giants, nor does them beating the Niners uh thanks to penalties on the last drive give me any faith. So um, Philly just got blown out by one of the, if not the best team in the NFL on the road. They'll be coming home. They obviously have to win this game. And so I think they uh, take care of business against the Giants at five. I'm betting that Tampa Bay at home against Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers. The Bucks are three and a half point favorites. I would imagine Jameis is back in this game, though. I don't think he, he did not play very well uh, in his relief appearance. What, what, do you, what do you mean? He backdoor pushed. Like if if the Vikings would have had Jameis in tonight's game, we might be a little bit more happy about our standing. That's true. It's fair. Where would you land on this one if you had to bet at Tampa Bay three and a half point favorite against Nick Mullins? Um, Tampa's at home. San Francisco's got a little extra rest. Um. I, you'd probably just San Francisco. Both these teams suck. Just take the points. Yeah, that's where I'm inclined to go as well. The, the hard thing for me is that as a uh, Niners fan, I want to believe that Kyle Shanahan is tanking here. So um, I, I would hope that the Niners can find a way to lose this one. Though it might not be in uh, a lot of fashion. So I think that might be the smart move. The Clippers of Los Angeles, a 11-and-a-half-point favorite over the Arizona Cardinals. Too high or too low? Yeah, so what this is implying is losing to the Raiders at home is more embarrassing than losing to Vance Joseph at home. Right? Good job, Vance. <laughs> Sentence over. Um, so, <laughs> I I mean, this this to me is a classic – Chargers get get on top of a team and just like step on their throat for an entire game. I would lay the points with the Chargers. Well, I mean, it is it is in uh, LA. Yes, 
Yes, uh, it is in L.A., which means that the Arizona Cardinals fans have a very short trip to make to make this one a, <laughs> a essentially a home field for the Cardinals. Uh, big loss for the Cardinals today to help them get closer to a number one pick. I mean, it was it was uh, huge. They're they're the favorites now, I think. Yeah, I would probably lay the points too. I guess Bosa back. Yeah, why not? Denver at home against Pittsburgh. Denver getting three and a half. Here's my my thinking in this game. Uh, the Denver Broncos just won a game. They probably shouldn't have won that game. They're not very good. They're riding a little high. Pittsburgh. Uh, it wasn't wasn't that impressive. Of also won a game they should have won. Exactly, but but the fundamentals of Pittsburgh certainly outweigh that of Denver. So um, I don't know. I, I think this the right side of this is Pittsburgh. Yeah, me too. I think, and uh, I it's hard to it's hard when you know you look at the quarterback disparity. Big Ben went back to playing like garbage this weekend, um, but ultimately it didn't matter. Pittsburgh is you know appears to be rolling. I think what at six two and one seven two and one at this point. So well, it's their strong run game. Yeah, it's Connor. Connor was generational and dropping two key passes this week. But ultimately, because he's a running back, what he did didn't actually affect the score of the game. Um. Uh. So yeah, I go with Pittsburgh here. One other note about about the Chargers against Arizona. I was going to say is this game matters a lot less now that they lost and they're a game and a half behind the Chiefs, and the Chargers do really well the last few years in games that don't matter as much. That's fair. Miami at Indy. uh, No spread for this game, so let's guess it. Assuming, I guess, that Ryan Tannehill comes back? Yeah, I think that's why there's no spread. Um, I think this falls with the preseason. I'm preseason number minus two and a half. I would still go there. Hmm. Um, I think it will be minus one. I think really? people will hop on the Indy bandwagon. Yeah. So, so Miami sucks. Right. I I almost so I I kind of want to take it back. Maybe minus three and a half just to get people to bet on Miami. Because actually <laughs> Miami sucks. So I'm not sure. Like if you if you put out a two and a half, you might get a ton of people burying Indianapolis. Sorry, I misspoke. I wanted to go the other side. I I, I think it'll be three and a half, four. Yeah, I think you're right. It's late. It's late. It is, it is late. It's very, I'm like, you know, half falling asleep. I, I have to keep my eyes open. If I close my eyes, I'll just fall asleep. Um, so I'm sorry. Miami's garbage. Miami's terrible. I think people hop in the Indy bandwagon. Four, four and a half. Um, yeah. Minnesota Sunday night against green Bay. This is a must win game. Now both teams. So at least there's that that'll make it a little more exciting. Um, it looks like there's, has there been a spread posted yet for this game? Uh, I, not as of an hour ago. Let's check here. We head to my bookie. Yeah. No risk. We got a all gravy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that's what the front page looks like. By the way, the Rams I'm seeing are now minus three plus one hundred. Yeah, and now I see it. Yeah, yeah, it, it fluctuated back to minus three for a little bit there. That's interesting. Um, uh, I'm not seeing. Yeah, I don't see anything. Yeah, I'm not seeing with, a line for this game. 
So what, what do you the, think? Guess the line. What do you think it should be? I think it's going to be three. I think Minnesota favored by three. In the preseason, it was Minnesota minus three. Um, in week two, it was kind of weird because Rodgers was hurt. And so it ended up what? It ended up being Green Bay minus one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the prospects for Green Bay have increased at all since then, but I also think Minnesota has shown uh, shown a lot more warts. So I would say both these teams are very mediocre, and hence that's why you're getting the th- – you we're going to guess the minus three because I think they're equally be- equally mediocre, and hence just give it to the home team. Yep, and if I had to bet on anything, I'd just take the points with Rodgers. Better, better quarterback in points. Uh, Houston at Tennessee, David Blaine Gabbert looks to be the potential quarterback for the Titans, which is why there's no spread on this game. If David Blaine Gabbert plays, I'm going to guess it is at least 10 points. What do you think? Wow. So Houston's weird, right? Because Houston's won seven consecutive games. None, like a few of them have been impressive, but you know, four or five of them have been squeakers, right? They could very easily be three and seven and not seven and three. So if, but Tennessee with Blaine Gabbert, I don't know. I I think it's more like seven and a half. And then they, they use that hook to entice people to bet on Tennessee saying, Hey, look, Tennessee beat Houston once with Blaine Gabbert. I mean, they needed a fake punt touchdown and, you know, but what the thing with Watson is Watson, brought Washington back in that game. He threw multiple interceptions. He took a lot of sack. He was, he's exactly the guy we thought he'd be. He's extremely difficult to root against, but he gives you, he, yet he's just like erratic enough to keep you in the game. And so I I don't know. I, I think it's seven and a half. Okay. Well, at seven and a half, I think there'll be a good bit of action on Houston would be my guess though. If it gets to the double digits, I, like Tennessee. Uh, um, okay, real quick, Monday night, tomorrow, I just said that it's now three. So if you have to take a side in that game, who are you going with? The Rams. I mean, yeah. I, you know Thank how you. much I love the Chiefs, but we have to I mean, we have to think logically here. Yeah, I think I honestly think it really comes down to which offense has a better chance of getting of having to punt or getting stopped once or twice. And I just think because of the weakness of the um, Kansas City O line that, that uh, Mahomes will just have to face a little more pressure than than Goff will. So yeah, I think I, I, think, I think the yards that the Rams are going to have to pick up are going to be so much cleaner than the yards that the Chiefs do. Kareem Hunt gets his yards after contact. Gurley gets his yards before contact. I'm going to go with the latter in terms of who I who I think will win. Well, it's good that you mentioned the running backs because. As we know, as Boog told us, this one's going to come down to the running game. So buckle up, get excited. Quarterbacks don't matter. This is all about the running game. Hopefully both those guys are ready to hand it off with precision. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Monday Morning uh, PFF Forecast. Remember, we're back on Thursday with the normal pod, and we'll hit all of these uh, games once again. In the meantime, head to ProFootballFocus.com get a pff elite subscription and then use all the stuff you know to head to mybookie.ag and place some bets eric see you tomorrow peace